I think most mortgage brokers come up with the, hey, here's your offer from XYZ Bank and it's this rate and let's go. And from the customer's perspective, in a lot of cases, like, okay, sure, let's do that. But I think the mortgage brokers tomorrow need to come with the, I've done this exhaustive research and here's five choices. And here's why I like this one over that one. Or here's why I think this is better than that one. Oh, by the way, your choice at Scotiabank, eHome, I put that in here too. And now I'm comparing it against the other one. So you might want to consider paying 10 basis points, whatever the number is, more for this particular option because it has a different way that we calculate penalties. And let me show you what that difference is going to be and blah, blah, blah. But I can show you an actual document and make your process better. So I think advisory and add value show why they should pay more if you're going to ask them to do that. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Greg Williamson. He's the Chief Revenue Officer at Lendesk. And when I joined the mortgage business 16 years ago, Greg was the very first mortgage coach I'd hired. I've done coaching with other people, but Greg was the very first mortgage coach, and the guy is flipping smart. So he created a company called Finmo that got acquired by Lendesk, and Lendesk was acquired by Rocket Mortgage because they like anything in fintech. And Greg's job now is you know, making sure revenue and stuff is working at Lendesk and Finmo, and very bright guy. And so we talked about a couple different things. We talked about why the mortgage broker market share is going up. And it is actually, if you're not aware of this, but the mortgage broker market share has gone up significantly in Canada in the last five years. We talk about trends in fintech, Greg being in his position at a fintech company, some great insights on this. And then finally, we talk about how brokers should adapt. So I love these discussions because I get a chance to talk to somebody that is spending their days working in fintech or working in a different part of the industry. I always find there's a lot of value and insight that I wouldn't get just from your regular conversation. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. Obviously, I got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a title sponsor for our show. So thank you, Greg and Alex and all the guys over there. A couple things that I personally like about Finmo is that it's very easy to use for the borrower, which is really important. You got to create a great customer experience. It's easy to learn as a mortgage broker. So we've got a brokerage where we train new agents and they've had great success using Finmo because it's very easy to use. And then it's connected to hundreds of lenders. You got lots of options once you get that thing in and it's connected to a program called Lender Spotlight, which is really like a tool for helping you navigate the different lending options and guidelines. It really is a massive time saver. And that company, that was actually created by another friend of mine, Jason Henneberry, who created Lender Spotlight and then Lendesk saw it and said, this is a fantastic tool. It's kind of interesting. What I love is that in the last five years, I have seen more innovation when it comes to tech in the Canadian mortgage space than ever before in my life. Like literally prior to this, there was very little innovation. We had one main company that did it. In the last few years, this innovation has just exploded and there's competition, which is great. There's more options out there for you as a mortgage broker. And that competition means that everybody's upping their game and you have more options, better experience for your client. And so I think this is all good news. So today on our Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about the birthday touch points. And so how you can use this to be strategic with building deeper relationship with your clients check that out one last thing so if you're listening to this and you're like hey scott like how do we work with you what do you guys do so we've got two ways one if you're a mortgage broker making 100k plus a year 100 to 600 go to our 10 loans a month academy we've got some amazing coaches that can help you that's at 10loansamonth.com if you're a new agent and you're like how do you guys help us get going we have some really really effective training for new agents and training and a entire ecosystem 
And that's at get10funded.com. And we have a brokerage called Island B Mortgage Pros where we are hyper-focused on helping those new agents get to that first rung, which I say is 100K a year. So check out this episode with Greg. Thanks again, Greg, for coming on. It was awesome to catch up with you, brother. And I'm looking forward to chatting again in the future. Hey, Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. Been looking forward to it all day, as they yeah, say. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you about you got a really great perspective in terms of anything to do with fintech and the mortgage industry, your role. So if people don't know who you are, maybe just give a little background on where you are right now and kind of how you got there. And then we're going to dive into some questions specifically that I really want to ask you. Okay, well, right now I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at Lendesk. So I have the uh, sales and marketing teams at Lendesk that report up into me. How that came about is I am also the original co-founder of Finmo, software that we built, and then Alendesk acquired that a year ago. It's been a year. Wow. And so before that, creating Finmo with my partner, Carter, I was doing a lot of mastermind leading and some coaching, mortgage coaching, and I was also a practicing mortgage broker, been in the mortgage broker business for almost 30 years now. A long time. And as I've said before, you were the very first mortgage coach I ever had. This was um, years ago and I came to your office and I was like, oh, like the stuff you're showing me. I remember that. I remember you coming to some of my sessions in Kelowna. You're always a good student. He's a good student, everybody. He's a, he is. I'm still trying to learn all the time. So, and then of course you're very innovative. And so I'm not surprised at all that when you decided to jump into this whole Finmo thing, you created a product that somebody's like, I got to have this. And so congrats on that. So one of the interesting things, because of your current position and your role, I know that you have a perspective on fintech and things and on the mortgage market share. So the first question I want to ask you is like, why is it that you think that the mortgage broker market share is increasing? I want to dive into that a bit more, but there seems to be a trend. This is something I'm noticing. Yeah, I think it's such a great question because I think maybe it's possible some of your listeners didn't know. I mean, Bank of Montreal just did release a report that maybe not everybody got their hands on, but this confirmed what I think we were feeling which is that the mortgage broker market share has gone up dramatically. And so for us, we're in a little long in the tooth in this business, Scott, you and I, and forever it was seemed to be stuck at 25 to 30% market share, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, it was just, we were there. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, being able saying it's close to 50. So, you know, that's a pretty big move. Why did that happen? And relative to, I mean, look at if one person's market share is going up, then you're stealing it from someone else, unless the entire pie goes up, which there's a little bit of both maybe. But in terms of market share, I'm taking it from somebody else. So how did mortgage brokers do that? I believe is purely on mortgage brokers were faster to adopt the technology that was needed in the pandemic and banks did not adapt fast enough. I think that's the main reason. So kudos to the mortgage broker community who did, in fact, jump on to technologies like Finmo and others that, you know, gave borrowers a way to be able to, particularly at some of the lockdown periods of the pandemic, hey, they can still transact fairly easily and smoothly. And I think that that was the big difference. Right. So obviously the big banks, any kind of change is very difficult and slow. So faster to adopt tech. Is there any other reasons that you can think of? Because it's a big jump. If we went from 25 to almost 50% market share and the pie has gotten way bigger because mortgage sizes have gotten larger, but the broker, half of that pie has gone up too. So any other reasons why you think that we've seen that increase other than the technology adaptation that we're doing? Well, I think that obviously the demand was spurred on in the pandemic. I think that surprised a lot of people, including myself. 
how much business just kept going in the middle of global lockdowns. And so I think pricing, demand, all of that kind of helped out. I just think during that period of time, I think a lot of people kept their employment, but weren't spending very much money. So then they were like, hey, let's upgrade the house. Let's reno. All of those things. I think there was a lot of refinancing, a lot of renovations going on. Just, I think a lot of the pandemic and the mortgage brokers grabbed it. Right. One of the things I saw is just a migration of people going from, I had to drive into my office. Now my employer's like, this is working. This remote working thing is actually working. And now I get to choose where I want to live. So you're seeing a migration of people. Like I've known three friends that have moved from Ontario to my town in the last six months because they're like, I can be anywhere. Why do I want to be nothing against you? Why do I want to be there? Right. So it's it's, it's creating a lot of movement. Yeah. So people want to upgrade their home because they're going to work from home. Certainly, I'm sure that's part of it. Multiple catalysts, I think, in the pandemic, but mortgage brokers were just well suited to capture that. Now, the best question is, well, how do we keep it? Okay. we got. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? How do we as mortgage brokers, we've got first mover advantage. How do we maintain it? Given that the banks are not stupid and they're not going to be like, oh, they're going to want their market share back. Yeah. And the good news is, I think what's happening too, is that there will be more lenders coming back into the mortgage broker space, because when you got that much market share, they're going to come and they're going to want to be there. And there's going to be things I think mortgage brokers could get ready for to be prepared to do that well. But I think that I know for certainty that because of this happening, it's one of those things, it's kind of like in most businesses in industries, disintermediation happens at the point of where you've proven that there's a lot of money. To okay, be- you got to dumb that word down for me. So somebody yeah. doesn't know what dis- yeah. disintermediation Disintermediation sort of means like it's what happened to the book industry and the music industry where the middleman okay. got eliminated. And you're going to get a whole bunch of email now. I'm not suggesting that's happening in the mortgage broker space. What I am saying, though, is that because there is money being made here, it attracts more people to exploit that. Right. And often in those types of things, the people that exploit it are the people who come in with lower price generally to eliminate. So what is the pressure? The pressure I think is going to be, first of all, the banks are going to get their digital experience there. Just this morning, I was telling you before we went on air, I read that article in CMP magazine about Scotiabank's e-home program, really some interesting stuff in there, about what they have done and where they think they're going. Every broker should read that. Because in my view, it's like, take that, insert whatever bank name you want, even though in the article, they say the other banks are far behind. That's maybe true. They're not that far behind. All the banks are coming out. So, okay, yeah, I don't care that much. I can compete with banks. Except for when you saw that in that article, Scotiabank just right out and said it. They're offering lower prices in their digital experience because they can. Right. Um, And so everybody else is going to as well. So margin compression is going to happen for lenders. But more importantly for brokers is that consumers are going to get lower price offers in a digital experience that's smooth for them. We've been able to get around that. We've only ever had the digital mortgage brokerage places that have definitely done good business that have a model of being lower priced. But now we're going to have to deal with that with banks and you know the people that consumers actually trust and know those brands. You're going to see, I think, the banks coming out. I mean, we see it all the time. Bank of Montreal has a special or HSBC comes up with a crazy special. But imagine if they can take that and make the experience for the borrower actually really good, too. Right, Um, right. That's the concern. So then the question becomes, well, I've got to make sure I can no longer. If there's any of your listeners out here that are still, you know, hanging on to an antiquated 
technology PDF system. application that you're yeah. sending somebody for the love of God, you're going yeah, to upgrade. I mean, listen, yeah. you can't, you got to make a move. And yeah. I think now it's even more technology into your, I never used to push this very often, but I've really come full circle on this. And I think that the post-funding commitment to the technology and an experience has got to be better post-funding. Here's why. I think that by and large, a lot of mortgage professionals, not all, but a lot of them have benefited from, you know, past client databases that consumers just come back because, hey, I liked you and you were good and let's do that. Great. But a lot of mortgage brokers did little to nothing with their past customer databases. And those now you can't get away with that anymore because I think it is going to be more challenging to get those upfront leads. Mm -hmm everybody and their dog is going after them. And I think with the same digital experience and lower pricing, it's going to be a problem. If you don't believe me, just go read the Scotiabank article right from their lips. They said they charge cheaper prices on their digital experience. Right. So that's what's going to happen. If so how do you, spend, okay, let me ask you this question then. So how does the average mortgage broker who's referral-based, relationship-based, how do they compete? If you think you know that there's this pressure coming, I got some questions on the U.S. I know that you have some insight into the U.S. market as well, which I'll come to. But how do you think the average mortgage broker can compete? Okay, they got to upgrade their experience, but just to you know, devil's advocate, if we have the same experience, then how would a mortgage broker compete directly with the bank? Two things: one, on the upfront experience, I got to get better. It's not just the technology and the digital experience. My sales process and my sales pitch and my advisory has to be more front and center. Because if a customer comes to me that says, hey, my realtor said I should talk to you, but by the way, I've went through Scotiabank's e-home online system already and they gave me this price. Chances are that price is gonna be less than what you're prepared to or would like to offer. And so if you want to protect that commission or you want to be able to tell the customer that they ought to pay more to deal with you, well, then they gotta give them a valid reason as to why that is. So I need to make sure my upfront pitch is better. So, and these tie together. So one of the ways for sure, I think mortgage brokers ought to get more into showing more choice. And like, instead of saying, I think most mortgage brokers come up with the, hey, here's your offer from XYZ Bank and it's this rate and let's go. And from the customer's perspective, in a lot of cases, like, okay, sure, let's do that. But I think the mortgage brokers tomorrow need to come with the, I've done this exhaustive research and here's five choices. And here's why I like this one over that one. Or here's why I think this is better than that one. Oh, by the way, your choice at Scotiabank, eHome, I put that in here too. And now I'm comparing it against the other ones. So you might want to consider paying 10 basis points, whatever the number is, more for this particular option because it has a different way that we calculate penalties. And let me show you what that difference is going to be and blah, blah, blah. But I can show you an actual document and make your process better. So I think advisory and add value, show why they should pay more if you're going to ask them to do that. And then that ties into post-funding after we connect the Scotiabank in this case, we just keep using them as an example, but it's because it's from that article, but insert any bank you want. They're probably not going to ever talk to you again. And in fact, you know, once you go in with them, you're in jail anyways, because you can't make any change to your mortgage inside five years, or else you're going to get absolutely clobbered with a penalty. So if you choose them, then that's it. Just sign away and you're gone. But if you come with me, I'm going to do an annual review, or I'm going to do this, or insert whatever advisory, insert whatever ongoing thing you're committed to doing. But for the love of everything holy, stop sending templated marketing emails and 
you know, don't forget to change the batteries in your smoke detector type emails because nobody cares about that anymore. It's not valuable. Right. So that used to be change cool. your process. Yeah. yeah. Used to be just stay on top of mind and people would just call me back. But I think the bar has risen. Right. Okay. I touched on this briefly, what I said about in the U.S. So in your professional opinion, do you think that the U.S. fintech is further ahead than cannabis? Yes and no. It's not the one answer of, I was looking for, Greg. I'm just kidding. Why do you say yes and no? Yeah, like I'll tell you, one of the things I've always found interesting in the U.S. as a mortgage broker, there is no what we've always known as Phylogics, let's say for this case, or Lendesk, you know, now where we have, you know, a network of lenders that as a mortgage broker, I can digitally or electronically send an application to that doesn't exist in the US. So there's no marketplace for that. So I have to take a standard, I forget, you probably even know the standard name of an application form. And then I can go and upload that into whatever lender I want to, I can go directly to them, but then I work inside their portal. So that's a bit clunky. But where they are ahead, what they always are ahead is on the things that they do. And one thing in particular, which I actually see coming. And in fact, it was in that same article on that e-home article with CMP Magazine with Scotiabank, moving way faster towards a digital closing. So, you know, mortgage brokers down in the US, now your customer can apply, get approved, auto approved in a lot of cases, auto adjudicated with many lenders, the way the systems work and low doc program, and then digital signing with the notary on your iPad, done, house closed, never left your couch. That's the next innovation for Canada. Yeah. I don't know if you heard of Deeded, but they're doing virtual closings. When I see that, I'm like, man, that's just genius. Like it's- Yeah, it's where we're headed. They don't want to drive to a lawyer's office. I don't want to get parking. I don't want to put on a mask and you know, get somebody to watch my kids. It's like the entire experience is digital right up till then. Why am I all of a sudden not exactly. digital, right? Like, because we are digital on that side. It's called a 1003 application the US one. So you think they're further ahead. Now, when I look at the US though, like Rocket Mortgage, like they only have a small percentage of the overall market share through their like Rocket Mortgage app. So is that because you think that these applications are primarily like layup type clients? Like they're just, you know, the straightforward apps, but you get in any wrinkles, complexity. That's my sort of suspicion, but I wonder what you think. Well, you know, that's interesting. As a lender in the US, Rocket does both like has a rocket mortgage, which is the digital experience. The and then they have that regular, yeah. But they also yeah. have a thing called Rocket Pro TPO, which is where they take their platform and they offer that to realtors and mortgage brokers in the US. So you can use this amazing digital platform, Mr. or Mrs. Realtor or mortgage broker, but that means you're going to send the deal to me as a lender. So, you know, that'd be akin to a monoline lender here in Canada coming up with some platform that they would give away to mortgage brokers to make a better experience. So in fact, Technically, and that'll never work because there's a Phylogix and there's a Lendesk already in the marketplace. So, you know, as a mortgage broker, I'm going to use one of the more established platforms. And why would you have only one option? Because then you have like your a pipeline straight to, you know. But here's one, one thing we do learn from Rocket. I mean, they are probably maybe still, but the largest, you know, mortgage company in the world in terms of just strictly mortgages. But also, I'm ridiculously, it's a sales organization and the conversion of how they do sales and their call center and the way they do things is pretty next level. That's where all the magic is. We get to sneak peek and see, well, what is it that that's happening there? And it's pretty neat, to be honest. And it reminded me of just something else I just thought of, new innovations that are kind of taking hold in the U.S. that I don't know about in Canada. You know, they're here, but I don't know about it yet. That is things like 
try to eliminate the realtor from this scenario where I'll just buy your house for you. I forget what they called it now. I buying. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. They basically guarantee the sale of your place and yeah. at a certain I'll price and, yeah. and come yeah. in. So that's an interesting, it hasn't yet been a company that's made profit from it, but it is disrupting the marketplace. Right. I buyers, whatever they call them, I think. Right. Yeah, Zillow's the, doing it. The only thing I could see is if you see a dip in the market share, like, it will be carnage. You know, if you saw a dip in prices and all these, they're like, oh my gosh, like potentially if they don't have the capital for that. So that's for the big boys, not for us little mortgage brokers. Yeah. Something I also, I want to ask you about is in the US, there's a lot more, like their loan officers, they work for one lender and they look and function like an independent mortgage broker, but they're primarily using one lender and they may do some, what do they call that? Where they send them off to other institutions. Why have we not seen that in Canada? Why haven't we seen like a street capital not picking on street capital, but why one of these mortgage companies, yeah. why haven't we seen them go direct? It's not the same thing. Direct to consumer, you know, channel, because it obviously works. Like usually we copy stuff that works in the US, fashion, music, you know, technology, but that's one thing I have not seen. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on The that. only reason I could think of that is that in the US, if I'm, let's say, First National, like a comparable type, you know, mortgage broker lender specific, how else do I get business? You know, and so I recruit agents to work for my brand so that they'll bring me the business because how else do I get it? I think that that's part of the reason. And so here in Canada, I mean, actually a few years back, I had checked in with a few lenders in this exact thing. It was saying, have you ever considered this? Because it would eliminate the need for me to be, you know, find a brokerage or whatever, or run a brokerage or it just. And again, there's less people in the process, you know? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm just exactly. And let's say I happen to be a first national rep, if I was using that as an example, then it doesn't preclude me from sending a deal to Merrick's if I need to. If first national says no, well, I can still do that. So what uh, was the feedback like or what was your sense? Yeah, there, you it didn't, yeah there was no not a lot of interest. I think that's the answer to your question, I think, is that the lenders here are saying, well, why do I want to take on this additional complexity? What's in it for me? What's the additional revenue for me? Right. And if one of them did it and the rest of them didn't, they would be shunned. It would be like, don't send your deals to those guys because they're, you know, dirty, rotten scoundrels kind of thing. Yeah, it'd be interesting. The question that this sort of begs to, which is the one that nobody ever wants to ever talk about in podcasts in this country is, is there a shakeup or is there a pending change to the way that we do brokerages or networks? That's the giant question in Canada. Yeah, it's very exciting. Anyways, I love when things change. If things stay the same, I would be bored. So the thing with the mortgage industry, I always say it's like a football game and every quarter the rules change. So now you've got to be like, okay, the whole game plan, we got to come up with a new one because it's like, so this is the thing that both of us, I'm sure, suffer. I have ADD. I'm sure you do. I don't know if it's diagnosed, but my unprofessional opinion would say that we have a similar yeah. brain. But I love the fact that that's what happens. It's constantly in flux. And so you have to be thinking like, how do I stay ahead of it? Where's the trend? So let me ask you this. Let's go back to trends for a second. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing in fintech that could be outside the mortgage space in the U.S. or wherever that you think are going to infiltrate into the mortgage space in Canada or that someday will go, oh, that's just obvious. Like, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. One thing that I've been keeping an eye on that might be in the same this realm of your thought process was used to be that there was this thing called lead selling. Like I got a lead to sell you. I have a name, a phone number, an email address and some sort of intention like the customer has searched, insert lead selling website would sell me a mortgage broker a lead. I actually see that now evolving into more deal selling. And there's reasons why I think that is, but 
I think some companies, they're in the space now, and so I can see it coming where they've determined that with technology, I should be able to get to a much further down the pipe. I could get the customer basically approved or at least for sure qualified. And so get the customer to do more, full application, get a credit bureau, get their bank statements, maybe get their income documents or as a lead aggregate. A marketing company, yeah. I could get that information. If I gave the customer enough of a great experience and some value or a carrot at the end, let's say I could get that information. If I could get that information, now what? Instead of me selling a lead for 60 bucks, I could sell a deal for $1,200. Right. And so this, this sounds an awful lot like another like genius idea that you have of, you know, I think you're right. Well, something honestly, that, no, I'm not that's, saying you've done it. I'm yeah. not saying that you're planning to do this, but I could see. We're keeping an eye on it because it is interesting. Right. Uh, I know a lot of your listeners will say, well, that'll never work because I don't want it to work. But I mean, I don't know. I think it's possible. This may not land. It may be too facetious. But I think that if we were all sitting around and, you know, somebody came to us and told us the pitch for Uber or the pitch for Airbnb when they we would first never have invested. We'd have been like, that's insane. Like, this Nobody's is the gonna stupidest do that. idea of ever. You're going to actually get people to like sleep on your couch. But it seemed to work. So right. I always sort of say, hey, I never, ever make something say it's too ridiculous. I'm always in a I don't know. So that way it keeps me in a place of I'm just looking at the data or I'm just looking at what's happening. And I can tell you right now, it's happening where people are trying to figure out how do I get more out of that lead that I can sell. So for some mortgage brokers, that might be great. As a mortgage broker, if I could get the customer come in, you got a full application, I got intention, I got documents, I got everything. I barely have to do much of anything else. Maybe I'm okay. I can see that in my business model. Maybe I'll subsidize some of my business. You know, I think that that's possible. But I tell you who will take those deals is lenders directly. Right. Right. You know, so a couple of thoughts on this one. I like your whole philosophy of, I don't know. I always say I've been curious. I'm just curiosity yeah. is driven. It's like, let's just see where this goes. What if is my favorite question as a kid. I drove my parents nuts. Like, so one of our coaches who's down in Houston, lots of phone calling. Now what he's doing is live transfer. I think he said he had 15,000 outbound calls made on Monday, like ridiculous. And then they're just like, the person's like, oh, we got somebody on the phone. Here you go. Talk to them. And so you That's pay nice. more for that. But these are qualified leads lists that they're calling and they have, you know, call centers. And so, yeah, they're basically live transferring. So you're sitting there, phone rings. Hey, hey, Mr. Smith. That's a, yeah, so we can help you. And so what you're suggesting is already being done, yeah. at least in that part of the marketing. Maybe they're not getting docs and other stuff, but the marketing companies are going further and further down in order to provide more value so that they can charge a higher fee rather than here's a list of names and call them and good luck. So I think it's a logical possible scenario that could happen for sure. Yeah. And so then you, so what else in FinTech that I can see on the back end, like post-funding, I and mean, we touched on it earlier. It's like, you should add more value. Well, that sounds really easy. Thanks for that tip. But what am I going to do? Well, I need to start thinking about, I need to say, well, what else could I do? The world is my oyster. Like, what could I do? Could I get some way to give my customer an ongoing update on the value of their home? You know, because if I have an investment portfolio lately, how often do I go look at my crypto account? A lot, because it's on a heater. So I love that. So it's like, why wouldn't I want to know that? So why don't I want to know how the value of my investment's doing and what other options I might be able to do with that? Not in some swarmy marketing type email, but actual value. Like, is there a way for me to be inside of a portal? Hint, hint. And as a borrower, I could keep coming back and get valuable information about what's important to me in my life. At least my financial life as it relates to my mortgage and my house. So 
You know what I want? Like so I there's a company in the U.S., sorry, Greg, that does track your home equity for you. I've had them on the show. HomeBot, Home thank bot. you for reminding me. I was going to call them SpyBot. There's another company that you upload your client's information into, and it actually watches them across the internet on how it does it, lets you know when they have buying attention, and it actually freaking works. I don't know how this stuff works. Yeah, but so there you go. That's the like, kind of stuff that's going to come here. Yeah, it's coming so, to Canada. So that's... Yeah, um, I mean, HomeBot, I've been watching HomeBot since they were a little startup in Denver because my partner in crime is from Denver. So we've known HomeBot since they were basically starting and they're on it crazy because it's a cool idea. You know what I would love to know? I'd love to know my home value, but I'd love to know what my neighbor's houses have sold for around me. It's the whole comparison thing. It's like, give me my value, but then give me all the sales data, either an area that I'm interested in or my own home so that I can be like, oh, my house is worth more than because everybody thinks their house is worth more than their neighbors. Yeah. So, so who wouldn't want that? Like I would look at that every month. If that came in an app notification, I'd be like, oh, what's happening? You know, right now, a lot of that data is being sort of held off on the real estate side. But I feel like that would be a service that would be incredibly. Right. But, okay, so let's say you're doing that with a borrower and you're sending them that information regularly. Yeah, there's gonna be a rub coming here soon. But imagine this. So imagine if I said, you know, in Canada, it's a little bit challenging currently because the data is fragmented, but that is solving itself. But it's going to take some time. But let's say as it does solve itself, it becomes a viable thing where I'm giving my borrower really valuable information about what is their current house of value? What's the mortgage that they have now? What are the rates that they have now relative to what the rates are in the marketplace? Hey, we have lender spotlights. We have to know that. And then how do I marry those two? I mean, what are the opportunities that I might do? You know, and hey, you got $300,000 in equity now. What if you invested it in this really safe, you know, MIC that's been around for 35 years that I could set up for you and they make a 7% annual rate of return? Well, let me tell you what that'll show you or whatever that might be. Now you take that and you say, and by the way, you're approved. Right. Said, what do you mean? I'm approved. It's yeah, like, just click here to accept this offer. Yeah. And the reason that is, is because think about this for a second. I know who they are because I did their mortgage two years ago. And so I, meaning my technology, between me and my technology, we know who you are. I could easily pull a new credit bureau and see where your beacon is now. And then I can see what your liabilities are. I could do a really quick back of the napkin, back of the computer circuit board analysis to say you're approved. And then you could just, you know, inside that portal, you could update your income as it changes here or there or otherwise. But then I'm sending you messages that says, hey, by the way, Scott, you're approved for an $850,000 house, just whenever you're ready. And then you're sitting here going, hey, honey, we're in our $600,000 house. And now we can move to this 850 house and we have the down payment already ready to go. And you've laid it all out, push this button, it's approved. Right. Now that's post-funding. Now that customer is having such a great experience. Why would they go through the other road of getting the why cheap would they rate? Start over? Or, why would they start over? Yeah. Why would they do that? It's already done. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff. I that, think that's where we need to go. I think that we need to get to a place where once you have that, it's client for life. I tell my coaching clients this all the time. You have to have a client for life plan. It's a huge pet peeve. <laughs> oh, watch. I'm going to get emails now, but totally off the cuff. Wasn't ready for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, I mean, that's not going to be cheap. Right. Like to build that and to offer it and to pay all the data providers that are involved in it. I'm making up a number. It might cost you $5 a client. Totally made that number up. Doesn't matter. I did it for effect. You got 500 clients in your database and that's going to cost you $2,500 a month to run that program. Let's say, or you're going to run it quarterly. Okay. It's $2,500 a quarter for you to deal that service for your 500 clients. Guess what? The Canadian mortgage broker is just unwilling to pay. I agree. There is is price resistance in 
some but brokers, but I think there's a whole segment that understand that it's a business. It's a business decision. And the ones that understand that this is they treat it like a business. Yeah, will guess eat who the they lunch. are. They're also, they and it's eat. not just the ones who can't afford it. Right. I, they, I will eat the, they will eat the lunch of the people who don't treat it like a business. Bottom line. So it's going to be. Yeah. You're talking the about the, the day, Americans. Yeah. The Americans, they love software and they love investing in their business. I've been in business 30 years. It's been that every time I go to American conferences, they're always investing in their business. They're always leveling themselves up. In my experience, generally speaking, in Canada, and part of that problem is Phylogix gave the most important software that runs your entire business to you for free forever. That's what set the tone. But they didn't upgrade it. They didn't make it a good user uh, experience until competition then, showed up. And they lost whatever percent of their market share, which I don't know, but they lost a chunk of market share. And now they're like, holy crap, we got to up our game. But what I love is that we have multiple you know, technology companies that are really working on the customer experience and everybody's going to win the customer broker, you know, the lenders. And so we needed this to happen between you yeah, and me. We need to I agree. Have a but I mean, so, I um, just think it's mortgage brokers need to, you know, pick a path, whatever it is you want to do. And, you know, that's great, but, you know, support the innovation in the technology, like go with a platform or a company who's proven that they're innovating who's got the resources to continue to move the envelope and build some of these things that we're talking about where we're going, you know, that's the key that I think now what has to happen. You need to stop playing games and you need to stop playing these political games and just pick the company that I think has got the path and is going to do the innovation that I think is important and support them. Right. Because if they make money, they innovate on the new ideas that brings you to help your business. That's the key. Right. Everybody wins. All right. So we went all over the place in this, but the whole idea here was, just, again, as a tech guy, as a you know guy who has a high level of vision in what's happening, I like these conversations. So if you're going to leave one thought or one insight for our listeners, what would it be? Yeah, I guess something different that we haven't touched on yet. You know, what can mortgage brokers do is stuff that's coming down the pipe. I think one of the things we didn't touch on is that there is going to be more new lenders coming into our space. That's a great thing. But here's what's going to happen. Those lenders, and I know this to be true, are not just opening up and coming into the mortgage broker channel and having a party and say, hey, come one, come all. That is not happening. Every single one of them. You've even seen it. Velocity just, you know, last year we brought in a new lender, so did M3, and it throttles on. Nothing ever is like it's open for everybody. And right. so what can mortgage brokers do as these new lenders are coming into play? I think it's probably one thing in particular. I need to focus on what we call broker fundability. So, you know, my behavior, because technology platforms have a lot of information about how you run your business. And lenders are going to ask technology platforms to say, you know, based on the data, technology platforms will never share that data. Like tell them, here's what Scott does. Right. But we'll say in general, you know, because there's data to be sold or there's money to be made. They may say that, hey, here's the brokers that have these five or six sort of behavioral traits that I think are important to you. They fund more deals. They do this. They do that. Here's the brokers you should probably start with. And I can tell you right now, those conversations happen all the time. As new lenders are coming into this space, they say to the technology platforms, who should we do business with first? Right. So, Which is why on, you see the rollouts to specific offices. It's not unintentional. That's intentional. Because they also want to create a good experience for that new lender. Yeah. You don't want to bring on a new lender and then have a bunch of crap files, low funding ratios. And so you've got to understand that there's more going on here than just what looks on the surface. I would say that in going with that is then, okay, so that's one. 
But what does that mean for me as a mortgage broker? Well, do I have to be on multiple platforms and be able to get access for the different lenders? Honestly, I hope not. I mean, at Lendesk, we believe that, you know, the market should be open and all lenders should be available. Some of our competitors don't feel the same way, but that's what we think. But in the meantime, I think that brokers focus on that, focus on their fundability, focus on, you know, being with brokerage firms that are going to get accepted by these other lenders. If I'm currently a smaller, you know, lower producing agent, I'm going to have trouble unless I can be with somebody who can get me in front of those types of lenders. I think that's important. And then finally, on this point, I think is that interview them like you would interview anybody else. Say, what's the vision? Where are you going with this? What's next? And, you know, it's the questions you asked. And I think it's the next big thing for platforms in Canada for the like what we do is to focus on the lenders, the submission process and the underwriting process. That's the next thing. Go with the platforms that are going to innovate in that area because it's going to mean auto approvals, quicker fundings, all of that stuff's going to happen for you. And so support those platforms that are doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Greg, this is fun. We should do this again. We'll do another tech talk trends, tech trends and see what you're seeing. Good chat with you. Thank you. See you later. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here. So, hey, what's the topic we're going to jump into today? Well, something that I think people often associate with CRMs, and I'm going to go there and we're going to talk today a little bit about birthdays and what that means and how you can make, you know, nice touch points with your customers, with your clients on their birthday, right? So I guess maybe to dive into it, you know, starting maybe with a little bit of a story with it. It was actually my girlfriend. Her name's Erica. It was her birthday last month. On that day, feel you know, free to send agreed. gifts. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah send gifts to, to Adric, yeah. PO Box. Yeah. Oh, sorry, keep going. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, but yeah, no, it was a great day. We had a great time, and the number of email or birthday cards she received was exactly one. It was exactly one, and it was her realtor. It wasn't her mortgage broker. Her mortgage broker was actually her mom, so that's a different story. But it was, uh, it was her realtor. And I honestly could not even tell you what was on the inside of that card, but I can tell you that we were really excited when we caught that saying, hey, holy crap, we got a birthday card. And it was a really thoughtful thing, right? And it didn't mean that we were going to go buy a house with this realtor the next day, but it's a memory, right? It's something that we thought about. And hey, I'm talking about it right now and I'm thinking about that realtor. So it's just a meaningful touch point and what that was for us. Yeah. So the first idea or tactic would be to use birthday cards. And now for some people listening, you may be like, oh, I don't have time. So walk me through how some of your clients are, you know, doing this without it being a big right. you know, time thing, but also making a great experience. Yeah, totally, totally. And yeah, some people out there might be saying, hey, you know, there's a CRM guy supposed to tell me how I'm supposed to automate this, not make it more manual. And, you know, we do have tools that help with that, right? You know, with the data we can bring in from different sources, you know, Phylogics, Velocity, Finmo, all the ones we have out there. Pulling in data into Blue Mortgage is super easy. And then what we do with that data is basically on a monthly basis, we'll generate for you a simple list. Hey, these are all the people who have a birthday this month. We're going to give you their name in one column, and then we're going to give you their full mailing address in the next column. And we can even take it to the next level where you don't even have to generate that report yourself. It can just automatically pop into your inbox on the first of every single month. And so you just have that you know, ready to go. Right. So you create this report and then we were chatting about this before we got on here, but then you can get a service like Western Broker Services right. or somebody either get a service to send them for you or if you have like an admin person or you can have them take care of it, but you got this report that makes it really easy for you to go, okay, whose birthdays are coming up and then you can outsource that. So, okay, let's right. talk about emails and text. So what are your sort of best practices around if you're going to use the birthday touch point, 
what are your right. kind of ideas around that? Yeah, and so on this one here, I would say, you know, with emails and texts, I challenge you to kind of think of it, you know, bring it back into the technology sphere here. You know, challenge you to think about, hey, not sending to your client, what will you send to your friend, right? You know, when you send out an email and which has, you know, a big graphic of a birthday cake and it says, you know, happy birthday and, you know, little things buzzing around or whatever it is, you know, I get that thing from Uber. I get that thing from my bank. I get that thing from here for your client. Your advantage as a broker is that you can be very personal. So take advantage of that advantage and make your email personal, right? Just it can be a super, super almost plain text email that just says, Hey, Mr. or Mrs. Whoever saw it was your birthday today, just wanted to reach out, hope all is well, you know, take care of yourself. Or however you like to talk to your customers, it just can be super simple. And honestly, we see much higher open rates with that sort of thing. And take it to the next level. It's not too difficult to even just do that in text message, right? How much more personal is a text message to an email? So I think that's really kind of the way to think about if you do want to automate things, put that personal touch on it. Yeah, I do actually every year on my birthday, I get a text from my dentist. Cool. You know, I know it's automated, and every time I yeah. smile, I go, look at that. He cares enough to put a system in place to say happy birthday, and it's the only person that does it. Count everybody else that I've interacted with. No one else does the birthday thing except my dentist, and it always puts a smile on my face. I'm like, oh, here's my text from my dentist. So yeah. even though I know it's automated, it's just a little short message. It's not like you said, this big, weird-looking thing. Okay, so we talked about birthday cards. You know, we've talked about email text. What about video? So I know that some people like the idea of using video. So how have you seen that done? And then like, how does that work with you guys at Blue? Sure. Yeah. And I think video is a great kind of extension of just kind of that personalized theme. Right. And it can be, you know, something that's deeply personal where you're saying, you know, hey, you know, Scott, you know, happy birthday. And there's a lot of great tools out there that'll, you know, make it super easy to record. I mean, right off the top of my head, BombBomb is a huge one that I know a lot of brokers are using. Me personally, I use a loom, L-O-O-M. You can go check that out. Both are great, great tools. And with those, both have features and that you can take that recorded video that you have and embed it right into a blue mortgage. You know, I'm going to use the experience that we have, which is embedding it right into that template, which makes it super, super easy to send out or even just put on a campaign, right? If you just want to say, hey, this is my video that I always sent to this person or this group of people, you can even just get that in a template so it auto starts sending out. Right. Yeah. I've been experimenting with BombBomb a lot more and it's a great program. The one thing I will say though, is that if you don't have an old legacy account, the pricing is quite a bit more. So like oh, yeah. to set up a campaign. So with my account, I got to pay my 500 bucks plus another two grand. So it's great that wow. you can actually take those videos. I can use my BombBomb account on a basic account and then I can use Blue Mortgage as a tool oh, yeah. for delivering those and I don't have to go and buy the extra, you know, I don't have to buy the upgrade. So I think right. that's another cool thing. Okay. So let's yeah. just recap this. I totally agree. With you. I think that there's something about birthdays, you know, it's a moment to connect and there's a way to do it well. And you can use different modalities provided you have the data on hand. And the cool thing is that you don't have to do it all necessarily. It can either be automated or it can be outsourced or it can be somebody in your team. So yeah, let's do a quick recap before we wrap up sure. this episode. Yeah, sure. So I guess, yeah, the three topics we talked about, you know, right off the bat, the birthday card, you know, that's a great, great personalized touch point. It's differentiating. And if it seems overwhelming, like you said, there's services and ways to really kind of put that on autopilot. So definitely want to be one of those things that you put in your toolkit. If you're more, want to go more the email text route, totally encourage that too. But again, make it personalized, make it something that you would, you know, ask that question in your head, would I send this to a really good friend of mine? And, you know, that's probably a good filter that you can have of what kind of message you want to be sending. 
And then, you know, going along that same theme of being personal leads to our final point. You know, video is a great way to do that. You know, there's great tools out there, bomb, bomb, loom, that sort of thing. And if you can kind of match those two things up with Blue Mortgage, it makes just a very kind of seamless experience for yourself and also your customers. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Tom. I totally agree. So if you're listening to this, you're like, hey, man, I need to get more organized. Go to bluemortgage.ca slash ILMB. That's B-L-U, not the full, not blue, like the, <laughs> yeah. the color, but it like blue. Scott, yeah. Yeah, so I got to make sure I meant myself. Yeah. Blue Mortgage is also, yeah. if you click on this, there's always a link, of course, in the notes. But go to bluemortgage.ca slash ILMB. Check out what Tom and the guys are can do to help you. And this is just one element. Like, honestly, like the birthday thing is awesome. Get it set up, set it and forget it. And then, you know, move on and improve a different part of your business. So thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.